0: gone equally at the same time. Thanks for tuning in to the grand final of all things Rallin's Rant. Uh, I actually mean that from a solo podcast point of view. I still have four more to go after this. Sorry, I get closer to the mic. I suppose I will start off by saying one of the questions asked was why am I actually stopping? And long story short, I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve with the podcast, which was very low at the start typically I would send 20 to 30 emails a week with them. Half of them don't get responded to the ones that do get responded to only about 10% end up actually less come on. And with that as well, you have to spend maybe four, six, eight emails back and forth with agents or the actual people themselves. And most of the time they go, Oh, I want money. Oh, I can't do it, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. And then also with that, the editing process is a bit of a pain. Sometimes you have to do podcasts at three or four in the morning because of time differences. There's a lot of effort that goes into creating a podcast. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. I absolutely do. That's why I've done it for nearly five years. But I just feel the time is right for me to stop because, yeah, I'm happy with how it's going. I'm happy with the standard of it. And rather than peter out like a old footballer who's way past his best and retires two or three years too late, I think I'd go out enjoying it, still producing episodes I want to produce. And yeah, people somewhat caring for better or worse that I exist in the podcast realm. And I will let the likes of Joe Rogan and Mark Megan take over the stratosphere of podcasts. So yeah. And yeah, so I thought I'd start off with Portugal. It's a common factor, it's a common trend, and it more or less made this solo podcast the beast that it now, unfortunately, is not anymore. But I'll get straight into it. So I've just come back from Portugal. Great holiday, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It wasn't as boozy as the years that that have passed us have been, but it was eventful nonetheless. And it starts off straight away. Get off the plane, boom bang, boomerang. We get our shit together, stick it in the apartment, our villa, and we go to the Cheeky Pub to watch the Lions game. And the Lions games were absolutely appalling. They were terrible for the neutral, but entertaining nonetheless. And especially the first test in which the Lions won. We were sitting watching the game in the Cheeky Pub right in front of, we were inside, and what we noticed eventually it became a parody of itself and I'll get to that in a second. But every time the Lions did anything remotely impressive, and I mean like win a line-out, and we didn't cop it until your man like started regularly saying it, but we'd be watching the match, and it'd be like bigger to Henshaw. Henshaw carries, and it's just like commentary, commentary. Then it'd be like, here's Conan, and Conan would make two metres with a carry. And in the background, like at the back of the bar, all you would hear is, Come on, Leinster!" Every time the lines would have the ball. Every time, without fail. And I'm going to take that little, just like, every time, without fail, you'd be talking, Jack Conan carries, and then all you hear is, Come
1: on, Leinster!" So,
0: gradually as the game went on, you just keep hearing,
1: Come on, Leinster!"
0: And it got to the stage where, like, it, it was visibly annoying, say, my dad. And my dad kept turning around, looking at your man, just being like, stop saying that. And you could see him hold up his hands as if to be like, sorry, I'm getting over-emotional, excuse me. And then, as I said, it would carry on and on and on. And it got to the point where, like, there'd be a break in play, and all you'd hear was,
1: Come on, Lancaster!
0: So... We get through that ordeal. I say he said it 20, 30 times throughout the game. Uh, my dad was at boiling point. And we then leave. We look at your man, start laughing as we walk out. We book the cheeky pup for test number two. And we get back for test number two. And we're looking around. And I'm like, oh, your man's not here. That's a pity. It would have been funny hearing him. And the party I was drinking with, watching the game, we're like, oh, that's annoying. We were looking forward to hearing him. And lo and behold, the first half, not much goes on. And about three to yeah, three to two minutes before the halftime whistle goes in the second test, and we think, Oh, this mystery guy who screams, Come on, Leinster, is dead, or he's just gone home, or maybe he's been murdered. And we get to the stage where we're like, Oh, he's gone, and no no word of a lie. Jack Conan gets the ball, and he just had this fetish for the Leinster player. So Jack Conan gets the ball, doesn't even do anything impressive, just catches the ball, gets tackled, and lo and behold, what do you hear?
1: Come on, Lampster!
0: And I erupted laughter so hard that the peroni that was in my mouth was, let's just say, on the floor and half of it was on the table in front of me. I spat it all out because I couldn't control myself with laughter. And straight away, my dad turns around and was like, Shut up! Every time now! So once he invited him to some sort of a challenge verbally, this guy, then for the whole second half, every five minutes you just hear
1: come on Leinster.
0: and it got to the stage where like even south africa scored a try and all you'd hear is come on Leinster. and like it got to the stage where he became a parody of himself and the whole place loved him and he was this old fella wearing a new york yankees hat obviously enjoying his summer and every single time then there was a break and play you would hear come on Leinster. And it got to the stage where my dad was so visibly upset about the whole thing that like you'd be going to bed that night and you'd you'd actually be convinced he was in the bed with you, just going
1: Come on Monster
0: and it was it was brilliant. It was absolutely hilarious. But yeah, what else? Ryanair, again, definitely need to be talked about. Where on my way back to Dublin, we check in, blah, 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 priority, blah blah, 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 blah. And we get to the stage where they're like, yeah, do you want to board the plane? And we're like, uh, yeah, that's, we're here. that's what we're here for. In the event of the cabin decompressing, oxygen masks will drop from the ceiling and untangling them will annoy you before you die. <laughs> and they lead us out they're like yeah check in blah blah blah, and we start walking towards the plane we get to the plane and anyone who's been to faro they don't do these like air what are they called air tunnels or whatever that connect the gate to the plane so you're never outside it's just you walk across the tunnel straight into the plane they don't do that so we're actually brought outside it's 29 degrees and we can see the plane and it looks ready But the thing was, it wasn't ready. So we are on the tarmac for, I think it was 14 minutes. But bear in mind, you've got luggage, you've got airplane attire on. So you're not anticipating yourself going to the airport to sunbathe or quite literally cook alive on a bloody runway, which is what we did. And I didn't necessarily struggle too much, even though I was sweating like... I don't know, Donald Trump in the hairdressers considering he's only got one or two haircuts left before he's bald. But there was older people around me, including my dad, who was sweating profusely. But there was a lady behind me who I'd say was in her 70s and she was clearly struggling. And I was like, are you okay? I've got water in my bag if you want it. And she goes, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And thankfully she said she's fine because I had only realized at that point that I'd offered her warder that didn't exist because it was actually too big and at security they took it out and said you can't bring this on the flight so that would have been a, a kind of cruel way to tease her in what we could only describe as horrible conditions but We're there on the runway, and people, like, after three or four minutes were like, okay, here we go, classic Ryanair. But this old old deer beside me was trying to make light of the situation, being like, you know, we're the ones at fault. We bought the tickets, so therefore the last laugh is on us. And I was like, no, it's not on us. This is a bloody disgrace. And I was like, I'll be writing my review on Google, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, five minutes passed without conversation with you one. And I turn around, and this is an old elderly woman. She's actually sitting on the tarmac. She's struggling that much. And you can see people being like, this is an effing joke. What the hell? Blah, blah, blah. And your one was actually, if I get to my 70s, number one, I'll be delighted. Number two, if I'm flying Ryanair, I'll be furious. Number three, if I can make light of the fact that I actually paid for a Ryanair ticket, I'll be delighted. But this woman was fully dressed, clearly uncomfortable, clearly sweating, sitting on the tarmac in about 29 30 degree heat laughing at the whole fiasco that was the Ryanair situation the whole situation she found hilarious which i i was i i fell in love not with her physically but emotionally i was like if i'm at that level in 50 years i i will die a happy man and we got on the plane and like fiasco as well speaking of which when you get on a plane you've looked at your ticket i'd say at least five to ten times from the moment you've woken up to the moment you've reached the plane including like you have to show the board and pass or at least scan it so you're actually aware of where you're sitting or what place in the plane you should be i still cannot get over the idiots male and female of all ages who walk on the plane and kind of look around as if They've been held captive for the last 20 years of their life and they've suddenly discovered what a plane actually is. And they're kind of looking around going, Oh, what's this plane? Oh, wow, what's this? Oh, a seat. It's like, Yeah, it is a seat because it's a plane. And they walk around and they go, "Eh, Sorry, I I think I'm sitting here. And it's like, "Uh, I'm 16C. What are you? And they're like, I'm 17C. And I'm like, Yeah, this is row 16C. So next. Thanks. And then you always get these macho lads who come in carrying about 16 suitcases and they're like oh sorry uh, just in there, just in there and they start fucking cases all around the place and then again they don't know where they're sitting or else the worst one is is when someone goes to the back of the plane but they're actually sitting at the front so it's like a knight's tale if you haven't seen it um, who was in it, the guy who passed away um, shit what was his name? Heath Ledger. He was in a great film. But it's like, though remember when the two horses would line up and the guys have the two big sticks and one of them tries to knock the opponent off and vice versa? If you're at the back of the plane and you're in the front 10, i say, yeah, 10 rows, you're an idiot. You're an absolute buffoon and this idiot wearing all Nike tracksuits. Nothing against Nike here, but I just presume, I, I just presume the guy's a moron. And, He gets to the back of the plane, gets on, and at this stage, I'd say 60 to 70% have boarded the plane. And he has to charge his way to the front, causing traffic jams, causing complete commotion, which at one stage, there were seven people tucked into the emergency exit row because this buffoon needed to get to the front of the plane. And, like... Traveling stressful at the worst of times and the best of times, but to see this moron get on at the back only to realize he was at the front, it's not even past the point of comical. It's at the stage where you're like, these guys should be banned. Vaccine or not, they should not ever travel. Give me that 70-year-old who was sitting on the floor making light of a terrible situation every day of the week. And that also leads me on. So previously, when I traveled to Spain, this was before the passport vaccination yoke was available. And what you used to do is you had to get the PCR test, fill in the passenger locator forms, etc., etc. Anyway, I get to the gate and the some guy And Again, that's something I don't get. When you queue to get on the plane, just relax, sit down, wait till the queue's gone, then get on the plane. Like the plane's not just going to take off while you're waiting in the queue. Okay, so just chill out. But anyway, I overheard a conversation where this kid, well, not a kid, he's, he, was a, he was an adult. And your one goes, uh, the PCR? And your man was like, what? He's like, PCR test result? We need it for you to put the plane. And I, she wasn't German, for the record. <laughs> can I get the PCR test? But she was like, can I see the PCR test? And he goes, what? He's like, your PCR test, you can't get on the plane unless you've got a PCR test result. He goes, "What what's that? And then she obviously was like, "This guy obviously lives in a tent," and she started explaining to him. And I started laughing, like to myself, being like, "What an idiot!" So I wait till the whole queue's gone. Your man can't get on the flight. He's obviously wasted money. Blah blah blah. He was obviously going off to Spain with his girlfriend. The girlfriend starts screaming at him, going, "I can't believe you didn't do that! Like what? What the hell? F and this, f and that? You f- blah blah blah." They have a domestic. I'm kind of chuckling away, going, "Jesus, what idiots!" Well, what an idiot uh, for forgetting the PCR test uh, to be done. But I then wait till the queue's done. The gate's more or less closed and I rock up with my PCR results. And then she's like, okay, and your passport, sorry, your pa- passenger locator form? And I go, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to do that when I get there. And then they're like, no, 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 you need to fill it out now. We need to scan it. And I was like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah. So then I turn on my 4G or 5G, whatever, run out of credit naturally. So I'm like, shit, need to connect to the Wi-Fi. Connect to the Wi-Fi, which is exceptionally slow. At this stage, I fill in the passenger locator form. Don't put in my name, wrong age, et cetera, et cetera. Fill it in. I butcher the whole thing. And then I go, yeah, there it is. Look, there's the email. And they go, no, no, we need some QR code or whatever. And I'm like, I don't have that. So your one then goes, well, you can't get on the plane. And I'm like, I've filled in the passenger location form. Can you let me on the plane, please? And then they were like, fine. But when you get to Spain, it's not our fault if they don't let you in so i go grant as if that's going to happen fly to spain arrive in malaga get to malaga airport no one speaks english or even wants to speak speak english so i rock up with this passenger locator form which was incorrect it was it was the irish version i hadn't done the spanish one so you're once like "Ah, and i was like i'm english you're spanish i don't understand so she didn't understand that so then i went up tried to find someone who spoke english someone had broken english like barely barely could speak english which is no fault of her own i'm in their country so technically i should be able to speak the lingo which i'd studied for six years and couldn't even pronounce my name in spanish which was still richie but i should have been able to say like mi amo richie i didn't even know how to say how old i was but yeah, it gets to the stage where I'm like, what's the story here? Where's the locator forms? Can I just fill in a physical one? They're like, no, it has to be online, QR code. And then some other passenger was trying to explain to me in English. He's like, oh, you have to do this, that, and the other. So then I give it to a steward and I'm like, or an assistance worker at the airport. And I go, listen, can you just do this for me? Because there's a lot of commotion here and I can't get into the country. They're not letting me in. Can you just find the passenger locator form I need to do? And I will do it. So then she goes onto my phone, goes through Google, finds this passenger locator form, and then it gets to the stage where it's like, pay now. And I'm like, sorry, does this cost money? And she's like, no, 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 you just put in your car details, but they won't take anything. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Go through, put in my car details, pay now, boom. Whole window, gone. And I'm like, sorry, what's happened here? And she was like, oh, they're mad, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, noise absolute noise can't understand what you're saying my car details some sort of transactions taking place here i still i'm in the queue and i can't get into your country i then get an email Uh, thank you for your order you've now been charged 70 euro and i was like for what some sort of passenger locator form, some scam website. I then go up to the girl who was apparently getting this passenger locator form for me filled in. I go, You've actually cost me 70 Euro because you've gone onto some ridiculous site that does the form for you, but actually charges you 70 euro. Like what planet are you on? And she was like, I'm at the euro, da, da, da. Or how they laugh is ja 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 ja. So I then get charged that. I'm like, right, ridiculous. Don't even get the locator form. Then I find the actual site, fill in that. At this stage, everyone's out of the airport. Like the airport is empty because all the flights from London and Ireland have gone through. They've been processed. I'm on my own. Get through that ordeal and long, lo and behold, I get through 70 quid down. Thanks to a scam artist from Malaga. Well done. You won. But yeah, it annoys me. And speaking of which, I'm trying to think what else was there. There's a night out in Portugal where we went to Alba Fera, me and friends. And the place didn't have an actual name, which was interesting. So it didn't have a name, the restaurant. We get there. I'm like, sorry, can we get menus? And they're like, no menus here. And I was like, okay, well, this is a restaurant. So normally there's menus so we can actually pick what we're going to stick down our throats. And he was like, no, no, come around, come around. I was like, what? And he's like, come around. And I was like, okay, I think he's saying come around. So we go around and turns around at the back of the turns turns out at the back of the restaurant. There's this like nearly like Donnybrook Fair esque deli where they've all these fishes, all this chicken, this meat, and you basically just point and he just picks and grabs the fishes, grabs your food, slams it into buckets, and then they're like, Right, there's your dinner. So then we go back, sit down, and I'm like, Hey, uh, is there a wine menu? And he's like, No wine menu And I was like, Right, well, <sighs> Uh, do you have any wine? He said, loads of wine. I was like, um we have a light, maybe a Reserva from any Argentinian wine, Chilean wine, anything like that? And he goes, I know the one just for you. And I was like, okay, that, that doesn't fill me with confidence. To be fair, this wine guru came back with a fantastic Reserva. The wine was delicious. Thankfully, and I mean, thankfully, it wasn't Merlot. Crazy restaurant. Then we also had a taxi man who claimed he was from Benfica, born and raised. And I'm not lying, like I'm not exaggerating here. We get into the Uber and he's like, Hey guys, where are you from? And I'm like, Uh, Ireland. And he's like, Oh, cool. And I was like, Where are you from? And he's like, Benfica. And I'm like, Oh, really? Were well, you born here? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I love Benfica. I love the football team as well. And I was like, that's not a Benfica accent and I'm not exactly well versed in Benfican accents, but that's American to which he then started asking bizarre questions about Irish sports and our heritage to which the guy beside me in the Uber turns and goes, we're going to be killed. And I actually agreed with him. I thought we were going to take a uh, turn down some narrow laneway. He's going to turn back with a silencer PPK and blow my bloody brains out over the back window. Cause like, there's no way he's from Benfica. Like, if he's from Benfica, I was born in Thailand, and I'm 48, and I'm six foot eight and my net worth is 78 million. Point one. But yeah, after that feed, I remember coming back to the villa in Val de Lobo, and I wasn't drunk, but it was the stage of the day where I've had essentially a big lunch, big dinner, a lot of different alcohols, types, you know, spirits, etc., wine, And I just I'm in the taxi and it's one of those taxis where you like just survive, you know, Tropic Thunder survive, just get through it. okay? and I get through the taxi, get out. I Actually, he woke me to get out of the taxi. He's like, hey, man, your place is here. And I'm like, it actually is. Thank you for waking me up. But I get out of the taxi. I'm about to get up to the house and the belly kind of just kind of goes. And I'm like, "Okay, I know it's coming here. And proceeded to project our vomit all over the side of the pool. Get out of the street, you fucking bum!
1: You gave up on life, didn't you?
0: The state where it there was so much vomit that there actually was a crater, it actually created a little hole. The acid and whatever had destroyed the grass and it destroyed the soil. So, a week later, when we're leaving, there was just this hole, this crevice of just this dirt. Uh, it looked like a little mini meteorite hit the thing. It was outrageous, absolutely outrageous. And to couple with that, that day, we had lunch at Dos Passos, which is a very nice institution in Portugal. Great place for lunch, great prawns, you know, great staff, even though they are a bit weird. So I'm in Dos Passos. You have to pay for parking there, which is absolutely ridiculous because, number one, getting parking is absolutely – it's it's tougher than tough, to be honest. Like, if you had Alan Quillen standing in the parking lot all day, he'd be like, it's tough, it's going to be tough, it's going to be physical – It's going to be tough, and that's how it is. It's tough to get a parking space in the place. So driving around, driving around, uh, the rest of the clientele, brother, dad, etc., I was like, just get out. I'll find the parking space. We didn't have any change as well, which is an issue, and they only accepted coins. So I was like, shit, I need to go. Go get Dos Passos, get change from the register, go back and pay for parking. So everyone else is waiting at the table. I go, I'll go get the money now and jog back to the car. When I'm going back to the car, I see someone giving me a ticket. And I'm like, sods law, absolute ridiculous. I start going, hey, 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 I bought I'm buying a ticket. I had to get changed. And the man is speaking uh, Portuguese. And I can't understand what he's saying. And I start waving the ticket. He doesn't speak English. So then I'm like, no, 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 tickets. And then he starts walking away. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm not paying for this. This is ridiculous. I was going to get the tickets. So then I see his coworker. And I'm like, here, hey, hey, I had a ticket, so I had to get changed. And now after being fined, that's not fair. That just isn't fair at all. Like, can you just give me some, some leeway here? And he was like, hey, yeah, no problem. Who gave you the ticket? And I was like, well, you, you guys gave me the ticket. And he goes, no, no, I'm, I'm working alone. And I was like, what? And he's like, I, I give the tickets. Who gave you the ticket? And I was like, oh, that guy over there. And then there was this other fella just kind of walking around the car park. And he then was like, oh, go get the security and show them the ticket. So I was like, what the hell is going on here? And at this stage, like a lot of time had built up. So my family were waiting for me in the restaurant thinking I'd been killed. So I go up to the security and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, put uh, the ticket in the car. So I go, right, I go back to my car, stick the ticket in the car. Then by the time I come back to the security with the actual fine, I then like start showing them, I'm about to show them the tickets, that, like the fine. But then I noticed the guy who had actually given me, the guy who couldn't speak English, he's been put in the back of their police car. <laughs> I'm like going hey, to, the ah! and they're like, <clears throat> car door closes in on him. So I'm like, what the hell? So then they ask me for the paper, the fine, and then I hand them the fine, the ticket, and then they rip it up. So what I'm presuming was, and then they're like, oh, enjoy your day. And I was like, uh, okay, is everything all right? And he goes, yeah, no, everything good. And I was like, did I almost get scammed? Like, I don't know. And I was walking back to Dos was thinking of obviously the prawns I was about to devour. But I was like, did I get scammed? what? What the hell is going on here? So I think that's what happened. I think there was some gangster walking around trying to, put tickets on cars and make you pay there and then or else call them and be like oh here's my car details some sort of scam or else like the security slash police were just like hey did you try find richie and then he was like yes and i was like yeah <laughs> chief wiggum would say go boys but yeah I don't, I don't know what really happened but it was it was definitely it was definitely interesting definitely but yeah, apart from that, it was great to see Portugal at its best. There was a lot of footballers around, which was cool. The last night I was there, the curfew got lifted. And to put that into perspective, the week before the weekend, I was in the Praca getting food, having a few drinks, Ever close at half ten. The whole place was like, it was a zombie town. There was no one there. And then the next week when the curfew was lifted and people could stay out till two, There was queues everywhere. There was like 20, 30 people queuing for the beach bar. And the previous week, there was only two people in at the same time. So the curfew seems to be picking up. Life seems to be coming back. And the demons and souls and geckos can slightly be heard as you walk by. Because I think it's been opened in like two weeks. So that would be great. There's also chat that the guy who used to cook the geckos burgers was dead. Or had died, which is obviously very sad. But then again, the story, the origin of that story is someone called or had his number, like obviously saved like Gecko's Burger Guy, tried to call him and be like, hey, what's the story? Are you going to be cooking burgers this summer? And his wife slash partner answers and was like, oh no, he's dead. So like a few holes in the story. Number one, who keeps the burger guy's number? Number two, why does the burger guy give out his number? Number three... If the guy did pass away, is it normal for his partner to keep the phone and to keep charging the phone to be like his receptionist on his behalf even though he's passed away? A lot of stuff going on, but if someone can confirm or deny those allegations slash stories, it'd be great. And, yeah, that was it really. Like, hmm. I'm trying to think what else on the travels. Another thing that bothered me a lot on my travels was... Issues with restaurants or bars. So even back in Dublin, I got lunch on Sunday, right? Somewhere in Monkstown, great village, great institutions. But we walk into a place and let's just say it rhymes with... Jeez, I can't like... Mocha, okay? It rhymes with mocha. We go in and we're like, oh, hey, is the restaurant open? And she goes, yeah. I go, brilliant, table for two, please? And then goes yeah, but the kitchen's closed, so we'll just have to, you know, get something from within the shop. And I was like, hey, is the restaurant open? Like, are you serving food? And she's like, yeah, but the kitchen's closed. So I was like, right, so you're not open. And he's like, oh, no, we can get some from the counter. So like, I'm like, that's not how this thing works. Like, that's not it. You don't go into Nando's and go, hi, can I have a half chicken, please? Then they go, one second. They run up to Tesco, grab it with some piri peri. No, that's not, that's not, that doesn't even compare. It actually doesn't. Forget it. But do not say you're open when the fundamentals of a restaurant is the kitchen. That's where the food comes from and is cooked and is prepared. That, that, that just isn't open. That means a restaurant is not, that's not a restaurant. That is literally a place with four walls and chairs and tables and cutlery and staff. I don't know why the staff was there because the kitchen was closed. Like, outrageous. Then I was watching the Euro final. Euros 2020. It's coming home. It's coming home. The place is full of English people. There was these two geezers beside me just pointing cigarettes, tattoos, just be like, Come on, Harry, Kane. And they were getting up for it. Obviously, they started really well with gold. Then your man, after about 30 minutes, uh, smashed two of the glasses. And I was a bit drunk. I was on my own, watching the game. And they smashed the glasses, the pint glasses. So my natural instinct, whenever I hear or see that happen, is i cream sexy so even on my own i was like i'm still gonna say it i don't care even though i'm surrounded by funkin' english people who are highly aggravated slash excited so all you hear is and i just go sexy and he goes yeah shut the fuck up mate seriously mate you fucking sweat shut up i was like sorry just trying to have a good time here which i did and yeah what else another issue is in spain at a beach club well not even a beach club just like a beach bar everyone comes around with these trays you know like the frisbee trays and they have like five or six drinks on so say you've got your beer you've got your cocktails your vodka sodas whatever this guy comes over with the frisbee tray and even i know and i've never waited in my life i've never been a bartender but i know the fundamentals what is required to be successful at the job i'm not saying i would be able to be successful i know what is required comes over kind of squats down takes off the pint so when you take off the pint that is probably going to be the heaviest drink there okay because it's got the most liquid and it just will destabilize the weight pressure of the other few drinks so rather than it being balanced in your hand you're taking off a good bit of weight so the weight's then going to be distributed left right and front or behind this idiot obviously didn't take this into consideration takes off the pint while there's still other drinks there obviously causes a balance issue a weight distribution issue and topples the whole frisbee tray with the drinks all over me all over my t-shirt all over the table all over my legs all over my terrible sandals you know what i got i got a refill nothing else though They're like, oh, we'll get you that drink straight away. And I was like, well, I hope so, because my pint is actually covered in sand. So unless you want me to lick the sand up like some sort of snake, I don't think I can drink it. But they brought us back, didn't give us any refunds, any free drinks. And yeah, I think we tipped them, which is even more outrageous. What else? The PCR test as well. PCR test in Portugal, went to get someone theirs. And we go to where it says, like, no word of a lie. Medical center outside uh six by six foot. That's a lie. Three by three sign says PCR test here, 80 euro. We're like, brilliant, PCR test. Let's get them. We go in and the guy goes, who I was with, goes, hi, can I just book in for a PCR test? And he one looks at him as if he's got 16 heads and goes, hey, we don't do PCR tests here. And he goes, like, Honestly, within touching distance was the big sign PCR tests here, and she goes, "No, we don't do them." I was like, "Well, like, there's a sign right there that says PCR tests for eighty quid," and she's like, uh, "Yeah, no, we, we don't, we don't do them." And he's like, "No, no, no, it says there eighty euro PCR tests. So what's the story?" And then she goes, uh, "Well, we can't do, we can't do them today. The nurse isn't here, so." We can't do the PCR test. So he's like, so can you give me a PCR test at any stage? And she's like, no. And he was like, okay, well, that was really helpful. And thanks a million for having the sign out saying you can do. All right. But, mm, you know, what else? The takeaways of the podcast. (laughs) Good question takeaways so if you do a podcast for four and a half years and some of your episodes are terrible some of them are good some of them are indifferent some of them are with friends some of them with celebrities some of them with weirdos you learn a lot I always I actually find it funny that people love to like use and abuse. So what I mean by that is the amount of people who'd slate my podcasts, yet they spend 45 minutes listening to the entire thing. They like the page on Facebook or they follow me on Instagram. They interact with me and any questions on Instagram as well. So it's just like, what's your game here? Like if you don't like what I'm talking about or you don't like the guests or you don't like me, Go and just, like, just invest your time in something else. Don't make yourself unhappy by hearing my voice. It's outrageous. You also turned down contestant number two from the office. That is, of course, David Brent. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> <You're> my... <laughs> um, you the fuck's that? Who are you? What have you been on before? Nothing, so don't... Wanker. You're the wanker, mate, if anyone is. What else? My listening and conversational skills have improved a lot. Like, if you listen to the first episode where I'm like, uh, yeah, it's just so shit and embarrassing. And even my first solo episode, I'm, like, really anxious, there's a lot of, like, empty space, et cetera, et cetera. So I've definitely improved in that respect. And even just from a guest point of view, like, you can be talk. I've talked to some pretty big names without... You know, being like, oh, I've talked to the big names. Like I've talked to UFC champions, Oscar winners, like big DJs, actors, like you name it. I've had them are big influencers with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers on social media. And what you realize is that once you actually talk to these people, whether it's through the podcast or even after the podcast, is they are still human. They're just like me, just like you. And they have so many vulnerabilities that they may not showcase on their social media or in their films or whatever it may be. But when you speak to them, just like everyone else, they have their weakness. They have their doubts, self-doubts, doubts about their future relationships, etc. which is, it's just often forgotten. And yeah, what else? Then like the last thing, it sounds a bit sappy, but like I haven't changed people's lives. I have like I have actually I've changed so many people's lives but jokes aside I've had like a few people and like they're a mix of ages and genders uh they've messaged me like one or two on email but the rest would be like direct messages on twitter or instagram and they would message being like this episode really helped me get through x and y there might be a solo episode where they're like, I've been going through a really shit period right now, but this cheered me up. And yeah, like to have a little impact, whether it's to make someone smile or in some cases, in some of the deeper, darker guest episodes I've had with pretty serious content and kind of discussions, like I've had feedback where they've gone, this has really helped me through depression, our anxiety, our relationship, our a loss a death whatever it may be uh, to get that type of feedback is crazy because it's as i said this all spawned from just someone going you shouldn't start a podcast you fat idiot so the fact that i had a small 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 part to play in helping someone makes makes all the difference and you know i started it the podcast to try it out and now like nearly nearly a million listens five years later what 70 to 80 plus podcasts and even a few more to go um i accomplished my dream so to speak and yeah i suppose to finish off i don't really know what else i had a little story as well i got reminded of because people were like i was talking to someone about college and like starting off college and what are some of my memories and i will never forget this the first time i used the dcu library in first year college so for those of you not aware dcu library phenomenal building great building even though i was there for about two minutes but i walk in you go through the main doors on your left and right there's two different staircases what i didn't know was they're actually down to bathrooms the one on the right is the women's. The one on the left was the males. I'm pretty sure that's a bit hazy. I'm pretty sure that was it. So on my first day using the library, it wasn't the first day of college, but the first day I was in the library, I wanted to get in really early because I wanted to use the gym. So I went and used the gym in the campus, on the campus. And then after that, once the library opened, at I think eight o'clock or nine, I went in because I needed to get two books for these lectures. So I walk in. I was like, right, I need to go to the bathroom, go downstairs into the bathroom. I need to take a pee-pee. So I go in and I'm like, oh, right, I'll just leg it in here, go into uh, the cubicle, do my thing, let nature take its course. And as I'm in the cubicle, I hear what could only be described as a female voice within the bathroom, and I was kind of like, hmm, what's going on here? Uh, could it be a, you know, a janitor? Could it be a girl mistaken the male's bathroom? Could there be unisex toilets? I was like, what, what's the story here? So then I hear another female voice, and I'm like, what the f... And then I immediately clock, I go, shit, there wasn't any urinals in this entire bathroom. That's why I'm in... The fecking, what are they called? I I said it like, I think I am getting demented. Cubicles. There was no urinals, so that's why I'd gone in the cubicle. So I'm stuck in the cubicle, right? And then I kind of sit on the toilet seats after I'd used the toilet. And I was like, oh, bollocks. I'm in the women's toilet here. There's no, this is the women's toilet. And I've actually just walked in. So I needed to get the books to go to a lecture, which I was going to be late for anyway, because I had to get the books at nine. The lecture started at nine. So it's going to be five, 10 minutes late anyway. This stage, it's five past nine. And I'm like, I may be in here forever. And basically what transpired was I waited, say, 10, 15 minutes and it just gradually got more and more busy as more people came into the library and eventually I just was like okay, I either stay in here till this place actually closes because it's just going to be a constant influx of uh, women coming in to use the bathroom or else I just walk out as if uh, I just couldn't give a shit so I was like, option B there's always a plan B
1: plan B there's always
0: a plan B. So I opened the cubicle and just ran out of the bathroom. Never used the toilets again in the library. Never got complained about, which definitely should have been the case. And I think there was two girls in the bathroom at the time washing their hands and just saw me sprint out, just leg it. And I, I would love to know what they thought was like happening in that situation. Like, there's always a plan B. In this case, plan A was you've brained it. Plan B was, like, get out of there. And I suppose, yeah, a few people have realized my hatred for Love Island. And I'll finish off the podcast with this. So I have no respect for anyone who watches Love Island's. I think the only exception is if you're in a relationship. It seems like quite an enjoyable program for couples to watch due to the basic nature of its content. But if you are on your own and you think it's appropriate at 8 or 9 o'clock to turn on the television for an hour and watch that by yourself, male or female, of any age and any background and any class, you genuinely, and I mean this, you need to be deported to some sort of camp where you need to be corrected and like i've barely watched it i've watched clips i was in someone's house who they were watching it. i criticized them and then i watched a bit of the the like program because i'd never watched it on my own and i was like what the hell is this i've seen some clips sure we had greg o'shea who won us i'm pretty sure yeah he won us and like that's even my point he wins the thing gets a crazy amount of followers on instagram Then kind of goes, actually, you know what? I'm not going to get into this Daily Mail, Daily Star type bullshit lifestyle and get tattoos on my face and fake tan my face off. I'm actually just going to chill out, take the endorsements as they come, play a bit of golf, go to the Olympics with the sevens and just be relatively chilled. Rather than fucking the winner from 2017, Alpha, who's got, I've got 58 tattoos a bit, I've slept with 2,600 women lived in leeds for a while, then went to london now and so how oh, it's a fucking life mate it's like why are you in prison then oh, i should live fast you know thanks but it's the dialogue that gets me so it, this is how i view love island Go. okay so can we play the theme yeah brilliant this week on love island check out the highlights so this is like a conversation Like Karen and we'll go Derek So Karen would be like Oh Derek I, th- I think I'm falling for you And then Derek's obviously like Well I think that's great But I, th- I thought you liked Aaron I used to But now I like you Okay yeah, yeah I think I like you too love Oh yeah Oh my word I think I've strong feelings for you Derek I love your hair I love the way you say you're a pro football player, even though you play for a team that's competing in the local park. Yeah, it's complicated though, love. I think would work well for Vera. You know, a bit like Fernand and Vicky, you know. No way. But did you hear about Linda though? No, what happened? She's not happy with Lisa after she told David that John thought Lisa was nicer than Linda. Wow. So like. That's the type of dialogue you're dealing with. Like, people who cannot comprehend anything. Like, they couldn't comprehend anything. Like, they actually can't comprehend anything. If you tried to play X's and O's with one of the males or females in on this program, their brain would explode. It would actually explode like a tomato being pressed on by a boot. Like, how I'd view it is, like, so Karen and me have a conversation she'd be like oh Richie I think I'm falling for you and I'm like what? I know you're scared but I really think I were made for each other E father no it's more like E father and I'd be like Butter and toasts were made for each other, love. Like, this whole thing is insane. I'm stuck in this stupid studio. The cameras won't leave me alone. No one can sleep. Everyone's wearing fake tan. I have gotten six tattoos on my forearm now just to fit in. And all I have to do is sit around this fire and that's it. I go on Instagram and I have a new 100,000 followers. And I've got 7,000 people in my DMs. Oh, but don't act like that, babe. It's a wonderful opportunity for you. Now I love you. What do you mean you love me? Isn't? Like, I can't understand you, I can't understand half the lads here, David snores all the time, sorry David, but I'm 27 and I shouldn't have to share a fucking bedroom with loads of strangers who fart and smell a B.O. Hey mate, don't diss me like that. No, screw you David, right? No hard feelings, you snore, you smell absolutely terrible and you can't string a sentence together. You a dickhead mate. So what? take dickhead, mate Like, uh, Grant Oh, David, I don't know you were here, love uh, Did I ever tell you I think we're made for each other? Oh, come here, love Alright, that's it I'm fucking out of here You twos, yeah, enjoy it I'm gone Yeah, no Channel 4 Whatever TV company this bullshit's a part of I am out of here How do I get out? Exit to the back, mate uh, Exit number four Right, Grant, thanks But yeah it's It's absolutely outrageous And yeah that, that's all I have to really give, to be honest. I thought I'd throw a lot at people, and that's what I think I've done. I could have done this for like five hours, but I'm not going to bore you. Thank you so much for supporting all my patrons. I know a lot of people have unsubscribed, and rightfully so. I'm going to tear that page down in like a month. But yeah, this would be my last solo. Then I have four more episodes left. Three of them will have guests. Uh one would be a rapper, one and then the two others will be I'll announce them in due course. And then my last episode is a very special one. I won't ruin the surprise, but it won't it's gonna be if it's put it this way, there'll be more than one person on the podcast. But yeah, no, genuinely, hope you enjoy that. Any even points Thanks, slates, negativity, positivity you want to direct towards me, please do. As it's the last, I'd say, like six to eight weeks of the podcast. So I do genuinely want to thank everyone who has supported us, who's listened, who's even said it's crap. It's uh, meant the world to me. And it is sad that this would be the last solo one. But as I always tell people, There's a huge amount of podcasts out there, which you can find funny. And then if you want to re-listen to mine, I've paid for the subscription, so they will be up for another nine to ten months anyway. But hope you enjoyed us. Have a great remainder of your summer. And if I see you, please don't mention The Crystal or Julia's XV. Have a good one. Thank you. Oh, David, can you come here? No, fuck off. Let's give it up. Happy birthday,
1: 50th for Mary. Last drinks at the bar. Last drinks at the bar for Ennis, the Driving School. Welcome back to COVID. It's 9 p.m. It's always last drinks at the bar for the last six hours here in Copperface, Jacks. Let's get the hands up. Come on. Happy birthday to Sharon, who's having a 65th birthday today. Happy birthday, Sharon. Let's get those hands in the air. Come on the Congratulations to Amy who passed the driving test today Well done, Amy! Yeah.